This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. You've all been in what feels sometimes like the refiner's fire. You've been in a trial, a difficulty. You could be in one now. Unemployment, illness, financial crisis, a legal challenge, marriage, relationship, family troubles, sinful addiction, moral failure. Let's just be honest here tonight, whatever it is. Persecution for your faith, bullying in the workplace, a situation with one of your kids, maybe a nervous breakdown, (coughs) chronic stress or fatigue. Look, we've all been in trials. We know what it's like. And as I said, you may be in a trial right now. I may be in a trial right now. But God uses it for our betterment. He uses it for our good. And the scripture points a lot to refiner's fire. Uh, And God uses this refining fire to bring up the impurities in our life. A bit like, as you can see in that picture there, with the refinement of precious metals like gold and silver and other things. The metal is put under an intense heat. And that brings up the draw, so the the things that aren't the precious metal. And then those things are skimmed off the surface. And what happens, of course, with the metal is it becomes more refined, it becomes purer. And that's often how God works with us. We don't like trials, we don't like difficulties, but it brings up impurities and we don't like those when we see them. I don't like them when I see them in myself, but I realize and I recognize that I think God wants to deal with this. If that's been highlighted in my life, I think it's something he wants me to get out of the way. We're going to talk about this tonight. Let's turn to the prophet Zechariah, chapter 13. So just go from Matthew and go back two books into the Old Testament. You'll find Zechariah and Malachi. Can be tricky little books to find. Uh, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Now, I mean, this is, this is pretty heavy revy, the, the words of the prophets here. But just remember that in this new covenant of grace, I mean, God is doing this for our betterment. He's doing it for our good. One page over to Malachi, chapter 3, verse 3. And again, we see this refining and this, this, this talk of purifying. Malachi, chapter 3, and verse 3. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. And now I just want to turn your attention to 1 Peter 1. Peter chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten in us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if needed be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I said to you, even in, in industry, uh, obviously hundreds of years ago, you know, men have devised a way to purify uh, precious metals. And you can see from the, from the picture behind me there that the, the precious metals are, that, are, that are hewn from the rock are put into a, kind of like a crucible, like a, like a furnace that's heated to thousands of degrees. And as I said at the start, this causes these impurities to come up to the surface. And you know, without that process taking place, the silver and the gold and the precious metal wouldn't be able to be refined. We wouldn't have what we have today, often in a ring or whatever else, gold or silver or the like. We, we would just have a lump of un, unrefined metal. And that would be no good. And this is often the process that God uses in our lives spiritually. The scriptures point to that. God's refining us with his fire. He's making us purer. And he's refining our mind and our will and our emotions and our attitudes and our behavior. And this is actually really a wonderful thing. This is really a positive thing. You know, we're all going to face trials and difficulties and challenges and tests. Uh, but it's what you do with it that counts because you could go through a difficulty and come, through out, come at the other side of that worse. But the scriptures can show us how to come through trials and difficulties and storms well and actually allow the master silversmith to refine us in the process. God wants you to come out a better version of yourself. What's this fire that God uses to refine us? Well, right away, you know, I thought of Hebrews 12 and 29, that God is an all-consuming fire. It's just his nature. If we stand before him, that's just what happens. His holiness and his nature consumes the impurities in our lives. It's not really something that he does, the fire of God. It's just who he is. He is an all-consuming fire. And I thank God for that, that when I stand in his presence, when I go before him, when I bring things to him, that I'm standing before this all-consuming fire that will consume all the junk in my life that I don't want to carry any longer. Amen? Yeah. It's an ongoing purification process that we're involved in. Sanctification. And the more refining that we undergo, of course, just like with precious metals, the purer we become. What are we talking about here? Let's, let's be honest. The unholy things are in our life. Look, we're talking about, you know what it's like to be in a pressurized situation? Anger can come up. Pride can come up. When the heat is on, lust can come up. Idols, hatred, jealousy, bitterness. None, none of us like seeing these things within ourselves, but they often come up. And they're, they're bound to come up when the heat is turned up. Unforgiveness, fear, anxiety, doubt, worry. We've all got these things to deal with, but God wants to refine us. He wants to make us more like him. Why does God refine us? He hates the dross. This is the unholy, the unworthy, sinful things in our lives because dross poisons us. It poisons our spirits. 
it poisons our life. If we, if we re-digest those things in our lives that have come up to the surface that are a little bit nasty, it's going to roll around inside of us. It's going to give us a lot of bother. And it will, sin will eventually destroy us because that's just the nature of sin. As Jason had rightly pointed out this morning, he said about, you know, Donald Trump's not the problem and this is not the problem. Politics is not the problem. And uh, was it uh, global warming or something's not the problem? Sin is the problem. And sin is the problem for this world. But we've got to be honest about sin as well. I think it talks in the scriptures that if you say you have no sin, that you're not of me or you're not of the truth. We've got to talk about sin in our lives, and we've just got to be transparent and be open about it because we've got to allow the process of sanctification to take place. I, I really don't think it's going to be a case of um, tonight you're going to deal with sin in your life and that's it, happy days for the rest of your life now that's dealt with. There will be things that come up in our lives throughout, and it is a process, so let's just acknowledge that tonight. It's a process. His motivation is his love for us, of course. And, and his goal, the Father's goal, is to see his image in us. Let me tell you a story here, the silversmith story. In the early 1900s, there was once a fine silversmith whose success with refining silver had earned him a large estate and much wealth. One of the servants of the house would pass by the silversmith's <laughs> workshop each day on the way to perform her duties. Her curiosity would eventually lead her to take a peek through the window of the workshop. She was quite surprised to see the master of the house working at the furnace. The master, seeing the figure at the window, motioned for her to enter. Let me show you how this works, he said. She was delighted, watching intently a seasoned silversmith at work. He held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest as to burn away all the impurities. The servant thought about God holding us in hot, such a hot spot. Then she thought about the verse that says, he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked her master if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The silversmith answered that yes, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time. It was in the fire. If the silver was left for a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The servant was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, oh, that's easy, when I see my image in it. And that's exactly like our master and our father and our God. He's, he's refining us like silver and he's wanting to see his image in us. Amen. First yeah. Peter 4 and 12 as well. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And I think that's what we often do. Do we say, why is this happening to me? I mean, I've been faithful. I mean, I've been, I've lived the best that I could. Lord, why are you putting me through this? Well, God doesn't want to put us through it, but he, he uses that process because he wants to make us more precious, just like silver and gold when it's refined. It's not something strange. It's something for our benefit. It's something good. And these heated situations that we face, inevitably, they bring out the worst in us. Uh, we, and we don't like that. I certainly don't like it brings the dross to the surface. And this is why I'm talking about ditching the dross tonight. I want to talk about 
about these unholy things that do come up, these attitudes, these behaviors, these, these problems that can come up in our lives as dross, dross, non-precious parts of the metal. But we've got to deal with the dirt, haven't we? We've got to drop the offense. We've got to allow the refinement process to take place. We've got to let go of the hurt the unforgiveness, the bitterness. We've got to cut out sinful habits. We've got to maybe end an unhealthy relationship. We've got to silence the gossip that's maybe coming out of our mouths at times. We've got to deal with the attitude. It's what we do with the dross in the midst of the trial that counts. And, you know, my message tonight is really going to focus on uh, four hours of refinement. Four hours of refinement. Because I want you to go home tonight with something practical that you can actually apply to your life. Whenever you're either in a trial, you've just come through a trial, or you're just about to go into a trial and you maybe don't know, you're going to need something practical from the scriptures to hold on to, to focus on. Because it's not nice to be in that intense heat. Will you determine tonight with me that you're going to ditch the dross? When the bad stuff comes up, will you determine that I'm going to rid that out of my life? I'm not holding on to it one more time. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to allow the master refiner to purify me in the process. You know, in Jeremiah's day, the people were rebellious. They, they didn't want the refining to, to purify them. And it says in Jeremiah 6, 27 and 29, I have made you a tester of metals and my people the ore, that you may observe test and test their ways. They are all hardened rebels going about to slander. They are bronze and iron. They all act corruptly. The bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire, but the refining goes on in vain. The wicked are not purged out. Let's not let the refining go on in vain because as we're all well aware, we go through trials, we go through difficulties. That's life. But is the refining going to go on in vain or are we going to allow God to deal with us through the process? <laughs> So, uh, on to some good stuff. I know it's hard to hear, but it is, it is the Word of God. <clears throat> you know, from my limited experience just walking with God, I've recognized, you know, a couple of things that, that can be helpful when we face a difficulty. And I've, I've titled these tonight as, as four hours of refinement, to rest, reflect, relate, and resource. And we're going to look at each of those and what they are briefly tonight. First of all, I want to talk about rest. That's the first thing we've got to do when we face the heat. We've got to learn how to rest. What do I mean by that? Well, let's first turn to Matthew chapter 11. If you're a note taker tonight, these, these four hours are the perfect thing to just take a note of so you can refer to them uh, at some point in the future or take a look back over them over the week. I like to segment a message into bite-sized pieces, you know, I don't, I don't want to just give, give everything in one, one, one big session. I prefer to divide this up so that you can digest this as I, as I give this out. I want something practical for you. I want you to be able to go on into your week and your month and, and your year knowing that when I face the heat, when I face the difficulty, there are answers, there are things that I can do. So take a note of these if you can. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor, 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the words of Jesus in Matthew. I will give you rest. Hebrews 4 and 1 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And as well in, in uh, Hebrews um, 4, verses 10 and 11, it says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So we've rested from our works, but there is a striving. There's a striving to enter what Christ has already achieved in our lives. We've got to rest in our identity in Christ. Christ has worked for us at the cross, and he's won us a holiness, he's won us a righteousness, but we've got to strive to apply it to our lives. If we don't meditate on it, if we don't think about it, if we don't look upward in our, in our walk when we're going through the difficulty, we're going to be working again. But there is a striving, we've got to strive, we've got to do something, we're not uh, in a position where we have no responsibility, we can just float through life because Christ has done it all. No, there is a responsibility for us. There is a striving, and it's striving to, to recognize what he has done in us and to keep that the main focus. And let me tell you, that is difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to fight for that when the, when the, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil is, is telling you messages that are, that are opposite to that. It's difficult to stand in your identity in Christ. That's why we've got to strive to do it. But that's the first thing that I would say when facing God's refinement process is learn how to rest. Rest in your identity in Christ. 1 John 4, 17. I'm just going to read it because of time. I don't want to turn to all these scriptures tonight. It says, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. I mean, it's incredible what Christ has done within us. When the Father looks at us, he sees that robe of righteousness upon us, the righteousness of Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. And first, uh, sorry, John 17, no, 1 John 3. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's keep our eyes on him. You know, think of Jesus. He, think of his life on this earth. He was born from the, through the Virgin Mary. He was holy. He was righteous. He lived a righteous, sinful, sinless life. And he died sinless. He died innocent. He rose righteous. He rose holy. And he ascended to be with the Father, righteous and holy. Then, after that point, anyone that put faith in Jesus, the righteousness of Christ was imputed unto them. That's our identity in Christ. That's who we are. And that has to be kept in, in absolute focus when we're going through difficulties. How does this rest help us to ditch the dross? Well, our identity in Christ, it grounds us in the trial. When the heat is on, we won't doubt ourselves because we should get our, our identity out of who we are in Christ. And then we're less likely to get bogged down in self-pity. Self-pity is a dangerous thing. But when we know who we are in Christ, we keep that in central focus. We'll avoid those things. 
when that dross tries to come up in that situation, he'll say, nope, I know where I am in Christ. I might be facing hell, heated up, seven times hotter right now, but I know that Jesus loves me. I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I know that I'm holy in my spirit before him. I'm a new creation in Christ. When you know who you are in the midst of the furnace, you will have the strength to deal with the dross. Because if we forget who we are, we will just be zapped of strength. We won't be able to deal with the junk that comes up in our lives. So first R, the R of refinement, rest. Rest in your identity in Christ. Second R is reflect. You see, we've got to balance this because we've got to look inwardly to a certain degree. We've got to take time out regularly and be honest about our state and know our state. Because in one sense, our spirit is, is 100% right before God, but we're still here. It's not like when we gave our lives to Christ that, that our body just disappeared and we, and we just started floating around like spirits. God decided that when we get saved, I'm going to keep them in their body. That means for now, until your physical death, your spirit, it's, it's in your body. So there's a soul, there's a mind, there's a will and emotions, and that needs sanctification. We need to renew our minds. So in one sense, yes, we're righteous, we're holy before God. But in another sense, we need sanctification, we need purification. And now this is what we're looking at. We do have to be honest and own up to our sins and our problems and our state. And our state could be fine, or so we could be in an okay place, but it's still good to take time out regularly and just assess where I'm at with this faith walk. Lamentations 3 and 40, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord, and return to the Lord. Let's not get so bogged down examining our ways. That could be pretty dangerous. We've got to make sure that, yeah, we do some examination, but then we return to the Lord. We return to who we are in Christ. Let's get the balance in this. Proverbs 18 and 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. We've got to think for ourselves. We've got to actually, at points, sit down and look and, and gain some practical understanding about where we're currently at, especially if the heat is on, especially if we're facing difficulties. It's great to be just grounded on who you are in Christ, and then you're, you're in a secure place to look inwardly to a degree and carefully to just take note, do a survey of how things are going, where you're at, to know your weaknesses and to know your enemy. Use your noggin, use your noggin. Gotta use your head sometimes. It's not all spiritual, the Christian walk. Let's remember to use your noggins, amen. Let's think of the apostle Paul. He certainly knew himself uh, in Romans 7:15, which you'll know well, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, I don't, I don't want to do what I keep on doing. Okay, I got that a bit wrong, but I'm making a point. He knew himself well. If, I mean, if you read all of that, that that's, that's a, a sermon series in itself, Jason, isn't it? That one verse. Uh, Paul knew his state. He knew himself well. I mean, I mean it, it's so complicated that he must have thought he used his noggin and he recognized what's going on inside our spirits or our hearts or whatever in this journey, in this relationship with God. Paul knew himself. So rest, number one. Number two is reflect reflect. 
Know your weaknesses, know your enemies. A couple more scriptures here. First uh, Peter 5 and 8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And 2 Corinthians 2.11, <coughs> in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are, we are not unaware of his schemes. It, it has been really useful for me to sometimes take a little bit of time out and just write down some things, things that are going on in my life, just use my noggin, see where the devil's getting in or, or not getting in, and just shore up the defenses. So let's remember to reflect. Just briefly, I just want to just look at Psalm 139, which again, you'll know very well. I will search me and know my heart and try my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Does that sound accurate? That's not what it says. It doesn't say that I'll search my heart and I'll know my thoughts. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Don't do God's job. Don't do God's job when you're looking inwardly. Let him search you. Let him bring to the surface the things that he wants to bring. <coughs> I don't want us getting fixated on all of our sins and our faults and our failures, and that's just the way we go through the Christian life. That's not a way of victory. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't do God's job. But present yourself to him and let him search your heart. Let him bring things up and let him refine you in the process of refinement. Let him, if, if it has to be a situation of heat to bring up these things he wants to deal with, then so be it. Let him do his job. A Christian author, Andrew Fellows, uh, said this. Self-examination is not the practicing of the presence of self a participation dedicated to the self alone. It is practicing the presence of the living God within us, a participation dedicated to his glory. As we learn to taste and see that presence, it will shape us. In a, it will shape in us a holy intellect, a holy imagination, and a holy will. thought that was good. <coughs> Reflection. It helps us to really prepare for the battle. Without a bit of preparation or without doing a bit of a survey of our, knowing our state, uh, when the heat is up, we're not going to know if we're coming or going. We're just going to be walked over by the enemy. Use your noggin. Own up to your dross and ditch it out of your life. Amen. Be refined. Come out of the trial purer and more precious. Let's look at two more R's. So we had rest and reflect. Um, the third R that I think is important, very important, is to relate. To relate to God and to relate to fellow believers. Because uh, our tendency when we're facing trials and difficulties is to run from God. I know how that's, that's how I feel in the natural. I just feel like running from God and certainly from running from people. <laughs> like you don't want to see anybody, talk to anybody. That's how we naturally feel. Uh, to hide ourselves away, to bury the dross. We don't want anyone to see our imperfections or our faults. So we bury them deep down in our lives. Or if something pops up, we lift the rug and we fling it under there, hoping that nobody see, saw it. But if God is going to refine us in the process, relationship is key. We must turn to God and relate to him. And we must turn to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We must turn to each other and build those relationships 
which we'll get to in a minute. I don't think that we will effectively ditch this dross that comes up in isolation. <laughs> I think it's done when we're open with God and we're open with people in an in a appropriate setting. Obviously, it's not like I should get up here and, and tell everybody all my bad ways. I don't mean that. There's a place and there's a, there's a for accountability, which again, we'll, we'll, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that in a minute. Obviously, I'm going to reinforce our communion with God, taking time in prayer, reading his word, because this really is the answer to our refinement, to our purification. Psalm 12 and 6. Got a couple of scriptures here for you. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Let me read that again. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. It's the word of God that is really that which has the power to purify us and sanctify us. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Because we have these promises, because we have these promises, it's because of the promises that we can even partake in sanctification and purification. It's not coming from us, it's coming from his word. So don't run from God, run to him, run to his word. Read his word, take time in prayer, commune with him. Romans 12 and 2, of course, is a familiar passage. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, the renewal of your mind. That's how we be transformed. That's how we be changed. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's beholding the glory of the Lord in that secret place. So the third thing tonight is relate. Not only rest, but relate. Rest, reflect, and relate. Relate to God. See, we won't see the dross that comes up without Jesus revealing it. But others will see it. That's the funny thing. Others will see it in us. But we won't see it without, without Jesus showing it to us. And as well, we've got to um, relate to people. If we really want to be able to ditch the dross and really deal with stuff when it comes up, we, there is going to be a place and a time when we're going to need someone somewhere, uh, someone we're close to, someone we can be accountable to, someone who we can trust with the information as well. Uh, Let's determine tonight not to isolate ourselves in the trial, but really just reach out and, and keep those lines of communication and relationship open. Because that's the very time you're going to need your spiritual family is when you face a difficulty or a challenge. It's like it's going against what our natural inclination is. But um, let me point you to, um, don't turn to it because I just want to make a point about this. <laughs> Uh, James 5.16, it says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power working in it. Have you heard that? 
I mean, that's, that's a very well-known scripture that, that we all know very well, of course. The prayer of a righteous person has great power working in it. But do you know that that's not the whole verse, that that's the tail end of the verse? The whole verse sets it in its right context. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there's a great power in relating to someone else uh, when it comes to dealing with the junk in our lives, confessing our sins, bringing them out into the light to someone, someone who will pray with us and someone who will be sensitive with the information that we may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person has great power. What an amazing thing it is to, to bring something into the light with someone and be accountable and how they can pray with us and how we can find healing in that and how their righteous prayer has great power working in it. Are we really tapping into that? Are we tapping into that? And of course, if you've no one you feel you can trust or relate to, you can... You can always come to the pastoral leadership of, of, of this church. I can certainly vouch for them. Uh, and you can, you can relate to them at least. So we're without excuse, aren't we, really? Um, is this making sense tonight? Is this, is this helpful? I'm trying to make it practical tonight. It's not a nice subject. It's not a nice topic. But the scriptures point to some fantastic, practical, real things. And as Jason again said this morning, which I thought was good, that we need a God that's real. We need a God that, that we can relate to. We need a God that can, whenever there's stuff coming up, now I'm adding to what you said now, but you get the point. We need him to be real. He's got to be real. Uh, he's he's got to be real. And, and, you know, Jesus works. That's the wonderful thing. Knowing Jesus and following Jesus works. It works to make us a better version of ourselves. It makes us more precious. <coughs> so yeah, the, just to reiterate that, just before I go on to my next point, the, the power for inner healing comes through accountability and prayer one to another. That's such a key ingredient, just as it is to relate to God and pray to God and commune with him and be in his word. But there's that other side as well. There's, there's the seeking someone out and the bringing it into the light and being accountable. And there's wonderful power available in that moment. It's like, it, you know, it reminds me of that picture of those little um, dishes in the labs that uh, are kept in the dark, where all the, all the, the, whatever it is, you know, grows on them, or, or the, the, the cultures that are in them grow, but if they were to be exposed to the light, they would be ruined, and that's what it's like with sin and unholiness in our lives. When we bring that dish out into the light, it loses half of its power immediately. So, you know, if there's stuff going on with you, as there has been with me, difficulties, trials, sins, problems, unholiness, unworthiness, I'm weighing on this accountability thing, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with what, what God's leading me tonight because I could, I could just rush through all these notes, but maybe there's a reason for that. We must have healthy relationships in our lives if we're, if, or we'll digest the dross and we'll sweep it under the rug and hide it, and we don't want to do that. So I've got one more point for you tonight before we finish up, and that is to resource, resource yourself. If, if we want God to refine us, we should consider actively resourcing ourselves. 
resource ourselves with Christian books or podcasts, maybe a Bible teaching or a course. You know, if needs be and the heat is on and you're in the trial and you're, there's stuff coming up and you just can't seem to get the better of it, you don't know how to deal with it, resource yourself. Get a book on it. Go on a course. Look for a podcast or a Bible teaching. Go to a conference. Proverbs points to, to this when it, when it says, and I'll go through a couple of the Proverbs here. Proverbs 1 and 5, a wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel plans go wrong, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. Listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. <coughs> There's a lot to be said for a multitude of counselors at times in our lives. Not going here and there and being all over the place like we should be committed to our church, but which of course you are because you're all here tonight. Um, but for certain circumstances in life, especially when we face difficulties and hardship, uh, we should sometimes search outside of our natural, normal sphere of influence um, to get, a, as I said to you, a book or a podcast or a Bible teaching or something that is, is going to help us in that refinement process. We don't want to come through the difficulty worse off. We want to allow God to use things that are out there to help us to process that difficulty well and come out of that situation refined. In the multitude of counselors, plans are established. It will cost you something, but... Uh, for all the money that we spend on leisure, entertainment, it's probably worth it to resource yourself because it really, it, um, <coughs> it's, it's, it would be a relatively ins insignificant cost, you know, to, to resource ourselves compared to all the bills and everything else that we all have in our lives. Um, you might wonder, well, why I have a church, I have a pastor, I've got close friends, why would I need anything outside of that? Well, in this Christian walk, we can get a little bit narrow-minded, and sometimes we just need some perspective. That's one word for you that to answer. That would be perspective. That's all. Uh, looked it up there in the dictionary. The capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. Their true relations or relative importance. And sometimes we can just get really out of perspective in our thinking and in our Christian walk. And sometimes we need to think about resourcing ourselves. Resourcing ourselves. Deal with the junk in your trunk. It's like, you know, one of the most frustrating things is driving around with junk in the trunk, you know, stuff rolling about in the car when you're trying to drive. I mean, every turn you take, the stuff's rolling that way and then it's rolling this way. I mean, it's, it's the most distracting thing. Um, worse if your whole car is filled. There's some people, you know, you get into the car and from the back to the front, it's all filled with stuff. No offense to anybody, but uh, it doesn't mean, by the way, your spiritual life's full of junk, but it's not a sign of that, thankfully. Hope, hope not anyway. But look, let's be honest. Look, this is not uh, about me telling you to deal with your sins and deal with your problems. It is just a discussion around God's word, an honest one about doing something with the dross getting rid of this dross when it comes up. Because the, 
the giraffe's really uh, like junk in the trunk. It'll weigh us down. You know, it will it'll slow us down. It'll waste our time. It'll bother us at every turn we take. It will it'll stink if we don't deal with it. So that's the term of the deal with it tonight. When we face the heat, when God is leading us through the trial, we can be sure that he will use it to refine us. That's what he's trying to do. So remember the four hours of refinement. No matter, as I said, if you're, you've just come out of a trial, you might need to apply these to help you get through it well. You might be in one right now and be, thank goodness that there's something I can grasp onto here to go into this week. Or you may be, I'm okay, I don't, I'm okay at the moment, but of course trials come. And uh, unfortunately, they, they do. And, um, but we can be refined in the process. And, and we can deal with the dirt, we can ditch the dross, and we can allow the master silversmith to see his image in us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.